welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another faith-building message by Pastor David Entry. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. May your knowledge of Jesus Christ increase as you listen. Be blessed. Now, so far, we have been talking about how Hebrews is a book of comparisons. Is a book that compares the heavenly nature of what we have come into to the earthly nature of what any system of religion or godliness or any system has ever been privileged to know. Compares the law with grace, compares the Old Testament with the New Testament, and compares, for that matter, Christ with every other glorious, great thing that God ever did in the Old Testament to help the Hebrews, the river crosses, to know that once you are a Hebrew, you have crossed from one place to the other place, and you have come to a better. So he, as I told you, the key word in Hebrews is better because we have come into a better state. And so it starts by talking about one of the, um, by talking about how God used to speak and relate with the people of the Old Testament and how now he's speaking and relating to us. Then he picks up one of the most revered and spiritually, when you talk about, religion and spiritual things in the Old Testament, one of the most reverse personalities or yeah, personalities and it speaks about the angels. And he said, these angels are wonderful. They are. And he talks about, you know, he does not like a politician who pick the opposition and blast the opposition. No. In fact, these ones are not oppositions. They're actually part of the whole picture. But they just started so that the better picture can come. It's just like you go to a restaurant and you, you just, you, the um, status. The status is not to make you not to eat the main meal. It's just to just help you to get ready. And so the, the angels, how God used the angels in the Old Testament, and he still uses them now, it's nowhere near who Jesus is, the son. Then after he spoke about the angels, he then picks up the most the greatest, the greatest and most significant personality in the Old Testament, who is Moses. And in why is Moses significant and important? As I explained previously, that Moses, the one, in fact, Moses, God spoke to Moses. As it were, face to face, Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. As it were, face to face, Exodus 3, 3, 11. Moses had encounters with God which no human being ever had. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. As a man would speak to his friend, that man was something else. Can 
imagine. Think about it. Think about it. The Lord spoke to Moses as a man who speaks fear, and he would and and and, and he would return to the camp. Uh, but his servant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. He just stayed there. Interesting. No wonder the grace came upon Joshua. He was Moses' servant. And he was always staying in the tabernacle. All right. That's, that's, that's. And 90, only 92 days you are saying is too much. So when, let me go ahead. So when Moses died, guess what happened? In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. When Moses died, after the death of Moses, the servant, say the servant of the Lord. Say it again. Say the servant of the Lord. We will come back to that, that, that. That phrase, the servant of the Lord. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to who? Joshua, not, not Aaron the high priest. Not the elders. The one of his own, Moses' sons, servants, who was always following Moses, following serving Moses. When they, when they worshipped their golden image, his high priest, Aaron, and the rest who did it for them, they, he, they let them, even though they didn't want to do it, well, they let them. But Joshua was not there because he was serving Moses. He couldn't live like every ordinary person would live because Moses depends a lot on him. So I'm sure it was the friends of Joshua were wondering, what is it? What is it? You just for every time Moses, every time Moses, every time Moses. Chapter 1, verse 1, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 tells us why every time Moses, every, when Moses died, Moses, such a great figure, God came to Joshua. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Came to pass. Then so God said to Moses, my servant, now therefore arise, go over the Jordan. You and all, all these people, the language. Joshua had to Joshua had to step in his place. Because he was his servant, not his colleague. God has never been interested in using colleagues, supervisors, and leaders. He uses servants. So if you have the privilege of doing anything in God's house, prove that you are a faithful servant. Don't be doing it like you are favoring the pastor. Actually, you are being favored to be allowed to do it. Yeah, yes. It's a favor. Servant. Don't seek to be seen. Seek to be a servant. God is looking for faithful servants, not able managers. Faithful servants. I need to talk to somebody, brothers and sisters. It is just basic Christianity to be found doing something in God's house so that God's house, your church can boast of your involvement, not your attendance alone. Attendance is the beginning. It's like going to have a child and bringing, coming to leave the child at home. I've done my part. No, it's just the beginning. So as you are attending, begin to let it be on your heart, looking for opportunities to serve. That's stage two. But then look for situations where you prove, you demonstrate your faithful service to God. That's stage three. Faithfulness is where you are committed, making sure that what you have been asked to do will be done so well that the one who asks you to do it doesn't have to worry or think twice. Faithfulness is when if others won't do it, you will make sure that this will be done without creating a sin. Creating a scene, waiting for people to applaud you. Oh, 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 oh. You actually, that's not your focus. So when they didn't applaud you, you didn't even realize, you didn't even know that they applaud you, you go by attention. Why are they applauding? Hey, that's the heart of a faithful person. Am I communicating? On the scale of one to ten, you are a ten in something. 
I may be a two in that thing you are a ten in. So find why where your strength is. Do something. It may not sometimes even be in an active service. It's behind the scenes. There are different departments. When a Christian gets born again, the next thing he's looking for is how can I be of use to God? How? That is a sign that you are actually a, a responsible citizen, a responsible member of God's family. And when you are doing it, you get Paul said, what is me? In fact, what am I preaching about this? Because of Joshua. Paul said, what is me? If I preach not the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 16. He said, well, if I preach, I don't have anything to boast of. He says, says that, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid on me. Yes, what is me if I preach not the gospel? He said, I'm doing this work, but I think it's a privilege. And I will do it, I like the, uh, the next verse. I will do it without a charge. For if I do, I do it, uh, for if I do this willingly, I have, I have a reward. But if against my, uh, uh, if against my will, I have been entrusted with, even if I don't feel like doing it, this I've been given to, I have to show myself faithful. In the verse, verse, verse 18, <laughs> verse 18, but what, then what's my reward? When I preach, I may present the gospel of Christ without a charge. Mm. Doing anything in God's house, not done. Oh, look, I didn't sleep that all night. I was staying awake. Doing this, this. That's why you're actually alive. Your strength must be put into something godly. Am I come? When you are going to write an exam and you spend, spend all night preparing, you go, when you get to the examination, you say, look, 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 look. I've spent all night preparing. Shut up. Sit down and write and a write exam and go. What has that got to do with the examiner? Why are you coming to the pastor? I said, no, I'm, I'm trying. No. I've been doing this a lot. And no one even sees to see, no one seems to see my, my faithfulness. That means you are a showman. Because you are not serving. You are just want to, you want to be seen. And God said, okay, if that's what you are, I can't, I'm not committed to rewarding you. Joshua was a servant of Moses. And so when God took Moses, he said, it came to Joshua. God enjoys using servants. Did you notice verse 1, verse chapter 1, verse 1 again? It's chapter 1, verse 1. He says that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, not the boss, the master. How many of you think that it's worth being a servant in God's house? It's worth it. After the death of Moses, God came to Joshua, the Bible school dean. Joshua, the servant. God is looking for servants. And so, Moses was the, one of the greatest servants ever. Back to Hebrews. Moses was one of the greatest servants ever. And so, in, among the Jews, when you want to talk about people God uses and people God raises and people God has used, and, it's Moses. You know what? That, they talk about prophets. Israel, Israel, the Jews understood. You can't talk to a Jew and be significant to that Jew without making reference to the prophets and the law. And then when you make, you make reference to them, they don't have laws. It's their law. It's everything is called their law. And the prof, not the prophets, the prophets, because there are many different prophets God used. But when it comes to the law, it was only one law. And the one through whom the law was given was Moses. So in John chapter 1, it says that, verse 17, it says that the law was given <laughs> through Moses. In fact, Jesus himself, talking about Moses, uh, make references to the law that was given, I think in John chapter 
verse 45 to 47. It makes reference. He says actually refers, connects Moses to the law. It was a common knowledge that they, they used to say the law of Moses. The law of Moses. So Moses was an epitome of the law. That's how significant this guy is. And so now, so when the Hebrew writer began to explain to them how the significance of Jesus, he had to, first of all, talk about the angels and then bring Moses and put Jesus and Moses side by side in a certain sense and show how Jesus is different and better than Moses. So Bible says that on the Mount of Transfiguration, on the Mount of Transfiguration, as Jesus to them, they saw Elijah appeared, and Moses, Elijah standing for the prophets, and Moses for the law. And he was glowing. He was glowing. They stood side by side, one on his side, the other one. And then a voice came, and he said, this is my beloved son. Hear he, you him. What prophets have said, Moses have said, but if you want to know what I'm saying, hear him. Your ignorance is, 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 is what is taking you to hell. When the Bible says because of their ignorance, that word ignorance in Romans chapter 1 is willful ignorance. It doesn't matter some of them how you can prove to them by the, by the spirit that this Jesus is not a prophet because of their willfulness not to hear and not budge. It's a willful ignorance. Jesus is one of the prophets. He's not one of the He's the son of God. Amen. He's the son of God. You like it, you don't like it, it doesn't change anything. He's the son. That's who he is. You believe that you, everyone believes something, but one of the beliefs will be definitely right. If you believe this, I also believe this, and you say yours is right, mine is right, but both are opposed. One will be right. Okay, so how do you know which one is right? It just doesn't take too much common sense to know. Just it, it takes an openness of mind. That's why faith is not emotive. Faith is reasonable. Jesus is a son, not a prophet. His status is far above the prophets, far above Moses. I want Moses. Moses. So Hebrews chapter 3. So far we have not read. I was just explaining that. All right. Ah. Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, beloved brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Christ, who was faithful. Say faithful. faithful. Say it again, please. Faithful. Say it louder, please. Faithful. Christ, who was faithful. Woo! Faithful to him who appointed him as Moses. Mm, he brings Moses in. As Moses also was faithful in all his house, all God's house, that his is capitalized. In all his house, say Moses was faithful. Moses was faithful. So he wasn't just a servant, but he was a faithful. So that's what I've been trying to say. Moses was faithful in all his house. For this one, that's talking about Jesus, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. What? Why? Inasmuch as as he who builds the house has more honor than the house. Inasmuch as he who builds the house has more honor than the house itself. He who builds the house has more honor than the house. Say the house. house. Say the house. house. Alright. Watch this. He was there. For every house is built by someone. <laughs> Houses don't grow. They don't pop up. Someone is responsible for building the house. So if you see
takes a nice house, a nice building, and the building is amazing. We have to find which architect is behind it. An architect who has been able to design a building. A building is a reflection of a builder. Every building is reflecting the builder. So Moses, okay, was, who was Moses? Was he a builder? We are, that's what we are going to find out in a minute. Was Moses a builder? Watch this. So he says that for every, uh, 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 every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is actually God. So every house, there's somebody behind every house. Now, the word house there is not just talking about a building, a structure. It's talking more about a family, a group of people in a family. All right, the word house there. But then every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. Say, God is the builder of all things. All right. Verse 5, and Moses indeed was faithful in all. Have you you noticed that this is the second time he's referring to Moses' faithfulness? The first one was in verse 2. Who was faithful to him who appointed him? That Jesus, as Moses was also faithful. Do you see that? As Moses also was faithful. Now, he brings back the faithfulness of Moses in verse 5. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house. As what? As servant. Whose house? God's house. Okay. As a servant. Please, don't, don't be ignorant about this and don't take it lightly. Heaven does not take faithfulness lightly. Heaven does not take faithfulness lightly. I mean, somebody should enter his rest. He said, based on your faithfulness, you are a faithful servant. Christians, be faithful to God. People may not see it, but be faithful to God. And he will reward you because heaven reacts to faithfulness. Because God himself is faithful. Bible says that for God is not unrighteous. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love, which you have shown towards him that you minister and still minister. You minister and do minister. Okay. And do. You're still doing it. It takes faithfulness to do and still be doing. And not start, stop halfway. Say faithful. faithful. I believe God wants somebody to hear this. Mm-hmm. We are not in a hurry. Because we are in a, we are in a construction stage. Amen. We are in a building process. Somebody is being built for your future. Amen. And how will we know? Oh, the future will tell. So Moses was faithful. All right. Now, Moses, Bible calling Moses a faithful servant. Watch this. So he says that Moses, verse 5, Moses was faithful in all his house, okay? And Moses indeed was faithful in, in all his house as a servant for all. That word testimony is like for, as a sign, okay? A testimony of things to be spoken, uh, things which would be spoken afterwards. Are we not speaking about him? Yeah. It's a sign. He said that puppets will not forget our Moses. So Moses was faithful in all his house. Put it on the screen. Let me show you something. Moses was faithful in all his house. Okay. For Moses was faithful in all his house. For as a servant. So he spoke about the faithfulness of Moses. Then he says that all this he did is just a servant. Remember, he has already mentioned that he who builds the house 
it has more honor than the house. And Moses was faithful in the house, not as a builder, but as what? A servant. Is there? Faithful as a servant. Faithful as a servant. Let's go to the next verse. Woo! Hallelujah! Faithful as a but Jesus, but Christ, not as a servant. Not as a servant. Christ, not as a servant. Hallelujah. Moses, faithful as a servant, but Christ, but as, as a son, put it on the please. But Christ as a son over. Uh, this is a serious. This is a Over his own house. Hallelujah. The house was not for Moses. But he says that Christ, the house belongs to him as a son. Over his own house. Whose house we are? Hey! If you go for that one, I will, I'll talk about it later because there's a interesting said, time will not permit it. But he says, Whose house we are? Say, We are his house. So he tells you that this is not talking about a structure, just a building, a physical edifice. Whose house we are? Christ as a son. So he said, Now, listen to this. Okay, Moses, watch this, because, huh, look at the verse 4. I think I would like us all to read it out together. It's a very interesting point. Let's read it out together. Let's go. For every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. I want you to read that louder. Everybody, let's go. For every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. Every house is built. It says that any who builds all things is God. So it takes, watch this, it takes divinity to be a builder. Actual, the actual builder is divine. But Moses did not have divinity. He only, he only had humanity. So Moses, as a human, he's actually part of the house. This is not talking about Jesus. He's talking about humanity, divinity. Human beings are part of the house. I'm talking about the house of God. And God is the builder. So Jesus comes in and he says that Jesus, as a son, watch this, Jesus with his humanity was kind of also part of the house. This is beautiful. What part of the house was he? I told you last week. Number one, let's look at, I will show you something. Let me show you. I didn't realize that. Four aspects of the house. Number one, Zechariah chapter four. Verse 7. It says that. <laughs> you like this text, isn't it? Charismatic believers like this text. Who are you, old mountain? Who are you, old mountain? Before you shall become a plane. Because we start from the verse 6. Not by mind, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Then we go to the next one. Who are you, old mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plane. It's a messianic text. And. That's where we live. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts. Grace of grace. Capstone. That capstone is referring to Jesus. He is the capstone. It's like a rooftop. Capstone. The rooftop. <laughs> Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So, is the capstone in Isaiah Chapter 28, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion 
I lay in Zion. I lay in Zion. For what? Foundation stone. Foundation stone. A tried and a precious cornerstone. So, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. So, this I lay in Zion is talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation stone. He is the foundation stone of the building as in his humanity. Because it takes humanity to be part of the building. So in his humanity, he was part of the building. Even as Moses was also part of the building. So they are both servants. So Jesus in his humanity was part of the building. He was the capstone, he's the foundation stone and we saw that he's the cornerstone. The cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. Psalm 118 verse 22. Psalm 118 verse 22 tells us how the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief the, the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus um, Jesus is the uh, foundation stone, Isaiah. Jesus is the cornerstone. Right, Matthew chapter 21, as some of you may know, I quoted it. Matthew chapter 20, 21, verse 42. Acts chapter 4, verse 11. All this point to the fact that Jesus is the cornerstone. In um, Mark chapter 12, verse 10. In Luke chapter 20, verse 17. Now, so Moses, Jesus was the cornerstone. Now, how about Moses? Moses was part of the building. Jesus was faithful. Now, let me show you something. I've spoken a lot about Moses' faithfulness. Numbers chapter 2, can put it there. Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. Numbers 12, verse 7. Not so with my servant Moses. So Moses is a servant. Okay? I've told you already. He is faithful in all way. So Moses is a faithful servant in the house. How about Jesus? Was he faithful in the house? In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, it says that in everything he had to be like us so that he would be a merciful and a faithful high priest. So Moses was faithful in the house. Jesus is also faithful in the house. Moses was part of the house. Jesus was builder of the house. Jesus is the builder. In 2 Samuel chapter um, 7, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. It says, when, when your days... Yeah, talking about God is talking about God talking to David. When David said, I want to build God a house. God was so moved. He said, David, you, you want to build me a house. He says, it's not for you to build. David said, no, look at where I live. Well, I want to, I've spent a lot on my house. It's not worth anything as much as God's house. So I'm willing to spend a lot more on God's house. So he said, God, I want to build you a house. And then he, as soon as he attempted to build him, God a house, God said, you want to do that? Since I delivered the whole of Israel, it hasn't entered anyone's heart. And I've been okay. How come you want to do David, watch this, David into something that was in God's house from God's heart from Genesis. From Genesis. God, the reason why God called Abraham was because he wanted a house. So Israel is known as the house of God. 
all those, the terminologies for Israel was preparing for the actual house of God. Watch this, this is very important. So when David said, I want to build you a house, kind of, David, you don't know what you have said. You've gone farther. You've gone deeper than any human being can think of because I'm a God. I, I'm, I'm, my plan is a house. I'm a builder. But he said to David, watch this. He says that you can't do it. You can't do it. So put it on the screen. He said, for verse 12, please. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. He says that when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. That's where the miracle entered David's life. The seed of David. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus Christ, born in the flesh, according to the, the seed of David. That's where Jesus Christ, son of David, have mercy the seed of David. He must come from the line of David because David has always wanted to build a house, but man can build it. So he said, after your days, I will set, I will set up your, a seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Go to the next verse. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom for how long? Who was he talking about? Jesus, the son of David. He says that Jesus is the son of his own house. He is the builder. Remember, he said God is the builder of all things. In what way Jesus, Jesus his, his divinity made him qualified to be the builder. His humanity made him qualified to be part of the building. Moses didn't have, a, didn't have, didn't have divinity, so he can't be a builder. David attempted it. God said, David, I know you love me. I know you, you mean well, but you can't. it will take God to build God a house. It will take God. So my plan is that I'm going to step down myself as a son and then build my own house. That's why Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6, he said, whose house we are? Put it back. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6. Look at it. He said, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are? Hallelujah. We are the house of God. Shall we are the house of God? Shall we are the house of God? Whose house? Because Christ is the builder. He's building us. Look at Zechariah chapter 6. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, and then we end here. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Then speak to him, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man, the who? The who? Is there anything interesting about that word, man? The man whose name is the branch. The man whose name is the branch from his place. He shall branch out and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Verse 13. Verse 13. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory. He sh- and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne. That's an interesting one. The priest king. The kingly priest. The priestly king. Royal priesthood. He said, he shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. Talking about Jesus, said, Jesus is the builder of the house. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it talks about how we are the house of God. So that word house there is not just pointing out a structure. It's talking about a group of people in a family. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse, verse 15 says that if... 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, uh, uh, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself where? Where? Oh, I can, can I hear you? Where? In the house of God. What is it? I'm writing so that you know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. There's a way to conduct yourself. That's interesting. You know how to conduct yourself. I mean, no one can tell me what I should do. I mean, no, you, you have to be told how to conduct yourself in the house of God. <laughs> Anyone who thinks no one can tell them what to do is an, an, an unintelligently proud. No one can tell me how to do Oh, I can tell me what to do. You go to the hospital, the doctor says, okay, turn over. No one can tell me what to do. I want to do my body. No one can tell me what to do. The doctor says, open your, the dentist says, open your mouth. Why? No, lift your mouth. No one can tell me what to do. No one can tell me. <laughs> you can't say that. Why do people say that? No one can tell me what to do. At least just try and marginalize that statement to localize it to a only little area. You can say, I don't, I don't enjoy being told what to do, but in life, you have to be told. <laughs> in life, that's how life is. Someone must tell you what to do. He said, I'm writing these things to you, so you must know how you behave, conduct yourself in the house of God. Then look at how he described the house of God. House of God, which is the church of the living God. It's the house. So it's not talking about just a structure building somewhere. We are the church. The, the house of God. And he talked about, that is the pillar and the grounds of truth. If the church is not, doesn't know the truth, we have the truth. The church, the world is going to stay in darkness. We have what it takes to tell the world the truth. Yes. We have the pillar and the ground of truth. Yeah. Any truth that is contrary to what the word of God gives to the church, the word of God is, is, not, is not truth. Hallelujah. Last scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, 20, 21, and 22. About we being the house of God, and Jesus is the builder. Moses was part of the house. Jesus is not just part of the house. Remember verse 4, it says that for every house is built by somebody, but God is the one who builds all things. So if everyone is, every house is built by somebody and God is the builder of all things, that stands to imply that whatever building we are part of, God is the builder. And then who is this God? He said, Jesus Christ, he is the builder. Well, he said it in the verse 6, that we are his house. If we continue, we hold fast. So we are the house. We, we, he, is, he is the builder and we are the house. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse Verse 19, it says that now therefore you are no longer, that word always tickles my fancy and gets me excited. No longer, say no longer. No longer. Oh, someone shall no longer. no longer. No longer means used to. Used to be, but no longer. Wow, I have a no longer status. No longer a thief. No longer a criminal. No longer wanted by heaven. No longer an enemy to the things of God. Because I'm, I am a friend of God. There's something that is, is that stronger than friendship. Which God has brought us into sonship. I am a son of God. I am a son of God. He calls me son. 
better than a friend. Thank you. Someone say no longer. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, with the saints and fellow members of the house of God. We are members of the household of God. Say, I'm a member. I'm a member. So stop shouting about member of a church, member of a church, member of a household of God. And as for me, I don't belong, I don't want to be a member of any. You have to be a member. Membership. Membership matters to God. <laughs> Membership matters to God. So we are, we are fellow citizens and we are members of the uh, 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 we are members of the house of God. Look at verse 19, verse 20. Verse 20 says that being built, having been built on the, so you see, household of God, we are being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. He's the cornerstone himself. So he's part of us. He's the stones. We are all the lively stones, but he also is a lively stone, the cornerstone. All right, go to the next verse, verse 21. He's, remember, he's the chief cornerstone in whom, in, talking about in Jesus, the whole, the whole building being fitted together, the building is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Jesus is the builder. He's part of the building and yet he's the builder. This, well, verse 22, look at verse 22. Uh, in, in whom also you are being built together. In him we are being built. Now listen, you know what? When you look at the text very carefully, we are, ah, Jesus is better than Moses. Stop, stop talking, make noise about Moses. Jesus is better than Moses. Moses is good, but he's a servant. He's just like one of us. Only that he was uniquely faithful. Thank you for listening. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Why don't you subscribe to our YouTube channel at Caris Church and subscribe to our podcast so you are always up to date. Be blessed.